0: the question, Uh, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? We live in a digital age. Imi reminded us right at the beginning about could we do without our mobile phones for a day, let alone a week. Uh, We are screen people. Apparently, the average iPhone user touches his or her phone some 2,617 times a day. Now, I know you're going to rise to that challenge and you're going to count from now on in a 24-hour period, but apparently that's an official figure. Um, it has also been suggested that Millennials, now we've got a few Millennials on the screen, a millennial is someone who was born between 1984 and 1998, okay? So those of you know who you are, Millennials, it's been suggested that Millennials would rather give up their sense of smell than their smartphone. So how many of you Millennials would agree with that? <laughs> How many of you are so attached to your smartphone that uh, you couldn't bear to live without it, but you could sacrifice sense of smell interesting facts, isn't it, but screens demand our attention screens tell us stories screens convince us that what we view must be true. I've come across a a really good book just recently. One of my sons uh, recommended it. It's called Faith for Exiles, and it's all about Christians living in a digital age. It's based on research, and this is something from the book. It says, many of us turn today to our devices to help us make sense of the world. Young people especially use the screens in their pockets as counselors, entertainers, instructors, and even sex educators. Why build up the courage to have what will likely be an awkward conversation with a parent, pastor or teacher when you can just ask your phone and no one else will be the wiser? That's the reality of the world in which we find ourselves. You see, screams influence and shape our thinking screens track our interests and preferences. Again, another quote from this book, Faith for Exiles, it says algorithms, now I must admit that sometime last year I didn't know what an algorithm was. I heard people talking about it and now I understand. But algorithms that run the apps on your phone, they search the results of our magical devices and anticipate and guide trajectory of search. Like a good friend, Netflix recommends shows or films that you might like based on your shows that you've already watched. Facebook suggests news you will find interesting based on past behavior. Digital screens and their algorithms that orchestrate the flickering pixels know you better than you know yourself. That's scary. But I've seen this on my phone. Something pops up, thought you might like this. Bit of information. And I've not even asked for it, but it tracks our interests. It watches everything that we view and take notice of on our phone. It then forms a profile. This is what algorithms are all about. Forms a profile of your interest and it feeds you almost subconsciously with information that you probably never asked for the apostle Peter gives us some wise advice which is still appropriate for today this is what he says in 1 Peter 1 13 to 15 keep alert and set your hope completely on the blessing which will be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed be obedient to God and do not allow your lives to be shaped By the desires you had when you were still ignorant. Instead, be holy in all that you do, just as God who called you is holy. Paul takes up a similar thought in Romans 12 when he says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This is the reality of the world in which we live. It wants to cunningly shape us and mold us into its way of thinking and behaving. However, we can just measure the temperature of our world or change the environment by taking control. In other words, we can either be thermometers or thermostats. Thermometers measure the temperature, thermostats change the environment. Your life and mine is a story, but is is it a story that, like a thermometer, reflects the temperature of the world around you, or does your story, does the story of your life, behave like a thermostat by bringing change, changing the atmosphere, changing the environment in which you find yourself. Because Jesus calls us to be a people who make a difference in the way that we live our lives. The passage that Adam read to us from Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37, is of course a very well-known story. We call it the story of the Good Samaritan. It is so inspiring that in 1953, a vicar in London named Chad Vara wanted to do something specific to help people who were contemplating suicide. So he founded a helpline that could be accessed through dialing 999, which the Daily Mirror later called Telephone Good Samaritan. subsequently it became known as the Samaritans which of course we are all familiar with and the great work that they have done over many many years. But it came out of a Christian who was inspired by this story that we have before us today. Now Jesus told this story in order to answer the question that was posed to him by an expert in religious law, who simply said, who is my neighbor. And the story illustrates perfectly well the difference between behaving like thermometers or thermostats. We've got a Jewish man who makes a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And in New Testament times, this was a notorious journey, which was known as the way of blood. Because if you made this journey, you certainly risked your life. It was frequented by robbers. It was a downhill journey towards the Red Sea. It was barren, it was rocky, and it covered a distance of some 18 miles in desert-like terrain. We find that the man in the story that Jesus told is seriously attacked and robbed. He's left half dead. The Greek, that literally means he's left to die. That's how serious his injuries were. And by chance, a priest comes along and he acts like a thermometer because he measures the situation and then deliberately avoids getting involved, especially because a priest could be classed as contaminated or unclean if he came in contact with a dead body. And then a little bit later, a Levite or a temple assistant, he comes along and goes and looks at the dying man. And again, he behaves like a thermometer. He measures the situation, but rather than getting involved in another person's mess, he too crosses the road and goes on his way. But then Jesus tells us, finally, The Samaritan comes along and he behaves like a thermostat. And I noticed from the story that Jesus told that we've got an image that thermostats or thermostatic people, that's a nice phrase, isn't it? Thermostatic people. They do essentially three things from what Jesus shows us in the story. The first thing is they have compassion. Jesus said of the Samaritan, when he saw the man who had been robbed and left dying, he felt compassion for him. Compassion moves us to action. Like a thermostat, compassion has the power to change an environment or change a situation. We know that Jesus in his ministry was frequently moved with compassion. On one occasion, we read, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let me ask you a question. Who are the sheep that you know who are shepherdless? less Sheep without a shepherd are vulnerable. They're vulnerable to attack and they can stray into all sorts of dangers. And Jesus had compassion for these vulnerable people that he constantly mixed with during his time here on earth. Let's just listen to a few verses from Matthew 25, 34 to 40. Janice is just going to read and this illustrates it a little more.
1: Then the king will say to those on his right, come
0: You did for me. Great. Here's Jesus just giving us a beautiful illustration of what compassion is. Compassion moves you to action. And he's talking about doing simple, practical things, reaching out to people in need. And as they did that, they were literally doing it for him and to him. Mother Teresa picks up a phrase that Jesus used here. Jesus said, as you've done this to the least of my brethren, so you've done it to me. Who is the least of Jesus' brethren? What does that phrase mean? Mother Teresa picks it up and she says, the least of my brethren are the hungry and the lonely, not only for food, but for the word of God, the thirsty and the ignorant, not only for water, but also for knowledge, peace, truth, justice, and love. The naked and the unloved, not only for clothes, but also for human dignity, the unwanted, the unborn child, the racially discriminated against, the homeless and the abandoned. Not only for shelter made of bricks, but for a heart that understands, that covers, that loves, the sick, the dying destitutes and the captives not only in body but also in mind and spirit, all those who have lost all hope and faith in life, the alcoholics and the dying addicts and all those who have lost God and those who have lost all hope in the power of the Spirit. These are the least of my brethren." And we live in a world where we see people like that every day. We connect with them, we bump into them. And we can either pass them by like a thermometer or we can be thermostats that change the situation. Compassion moves you to action. And that's what this Samaritan did. And we need to be people who look in the world that we live and take note of what's going on and seek to become involved as the Holy Spirit leads us and prompts us. But then also we notice from the Jesus telling the story that This uh, Samaritan man, uh, the the thermostat offers engagement, not only compassion, but engagement, because the Samaritan went over to him and the Bible says he soothed the man's wounds, bandaged him up and took care of him. The problem with our digital age is that it promotes disengagement. All right, I don't know if any of you are looking at your phones now. Some of you have got your heads down, so you could be looking at your phones, but the problem, is <laughs> you're taking notes. But, but you see it all the time. If you're on the bus, if you're on the train, if you're traveling, people are on their phones, they disengage, nobody talks to one another. And that's what screens do. They take you into your own world and they cause you to disengage from the world that is round about you. I've often preached in church and people have their phones. Now, they could be trying to tell me I'm reading my Bible, but they might be playing a video game. They might be answering their emails. They might be sending a text. I have no idea. Because what the digital age does, it causes you to disengage from the world around you. This Samaritan didn't disengage. He behaved like a thermostat. He decided, I can change this man's environment, and the problem with disengagement is that it just shuts our eyes to the world around us. This Samaritan man had his eyes open. He disregarded his own safety. He disregarded the fact that this Jewish man who was lying dying actually discriminated against Samaritans. There was big discrimination between the Jews and the Samaritans, but this man didn't take it personally. The Samaritan saw someone in need and considered that he could do something about it. He disregarded his own personal cost. He was aware of his world and he engaged with it. The priest and the Levite, they knew the law very well. They knew the law says, "Love your neighbor as yourself. But rather than engage with this dying man, they decided he was a lost cause, and they went on their way. You see, loving our neighbor means stepping into their mess, stepping into their world, stepping into their failings, stepping into their situation, and finding out if we can change their environment for the better. Max Lakodo, he said this, I will be kind to the poor, for they are alone. I will be kind to the rich, for they are afraid. And I will be kind to the unkind, for this is how God has treated me. And we need to remember the kindness of God. We need to remember how God engaged with us. The Bible says that when we were without hope, Jesus came and died for us. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, God did not turn his back on them, but he engaged with them, he reached out to them, they realized they were naked, he clothed them, he cared for them, despite the fact that they had spoiled his perfect world. God is a God of engagement, and we need to make sure that we are a people who engage with the world around us, and by the power of God's Holy Spirit in us and through us, make a difference so that people see Jesus in us. So Jesus teaches us here that if we like, thermostatic people are people of compassion, they're people of engagement, but finally they're people who show mercy. Because at the end of the story, Jesus throws it back to this uh, teacher of religious law, and he said to him, Now, now, which of these three people was a neighbor to the man who was dying at the roadside? And the expert in the religious law, he says, were well, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus comes with this punchline: you go and do the same. Mercy is literally undeserved kindness. That's what mercy is, undeserved kindness. And Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So as I end this morning, and we're going to go into groups, here's the question, here's the challenge to all of us. Do we behave like a thermometer or a thermostat? Do you simply measure what goes on around you, or do you seek to step into it to change the environment by the power of God's Spirit and love? in you and through you let's pause for a moment of prayer and then we'll go into groups and we'll give you the questions father we thank you for this wonderful story that jesus told it teaches us so much and i want to pray lord that you will help us in this digital age that so disconnects us from the world around us that lord we will get things in a healthy balance And uh, as we want this year to be a year of mission, as as we want to win people, as we want to reach out to people, as we want to change people's world, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will prompt us and give us eyes to see what you see, so we can step into people's situations and bring your love, your comfort, and your hope. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.